Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 89 of the Banter Roundtable podcast uh, here with Justin. Justin, how are you today, sir? Uh, I am awesome. I um, just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of our all of the readers who um, wrote to me and uh, basically wished me well. I'm sorry we didn't record the podcast last week. I've been struggling again with the anemia. Uh, it's been really difficult, very tough. Um, so I wasn't really in a much of a space to do that. And uh, I'm so, I, hopefully I'm slowly getting better. Blood tests are looking good looking much better than they were so uh yeah i'm kind of happy i'm happy about that but i'm still experiencing lots of horrible side effects and not getting much sleep and um having weird weird symptoms of like pins and needles and body aches and headaches and insomnia so it's all very unpleasant but uh, i the blood work shows i'm doing better um and uh, lots of you wrote me very nice notes and i haven't replied to any of them yet but Again, uh, a big thank you. It's, it's very, um, very much appreciated. So, anyhow, we do have a fantastic show for you today. We have uh, we have House Republicans repair, are preparing to open an impeachment inquiry based on no evidence. The leader of the Proud Boys is sentenced to twenty two years plus thirty six months. <laughs> <laughs> Books on Joe Biden are bombing, which is great for Biden, but not so much for the media. Trump's IT guy has flipped in the Mar-a-Lago documents case, which is very bad news for Trump. Elon Musk blames Jews for Twitter's collapse. as a surprise. We have our fascist of the week and then our ray of sunshine. And then in the emergency meeting, we are going to discuss one of the most abhorrent offensive articles ever published on current affairs. What is current affairs? We'll get to that later. It's a magazine um, with a, a nemesis of ours, uh, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> We were supposed to do this last week, a deep dive on that. Um, Nathan J. Robinson, if you're listening, uh, we're coming after you, my friend. Anyway, uh, so impeachment inquiry. Justin, this this is I, – I, I was going to try to keep a straight face while I was reading this out, right, while I was talking about it, the impeachment inquiry. But this impeachment inquiry is is got to be – does it rank up, though, with the Benghazi? Uh, you know, it's it's even more cynical because at least in Benghazi, something actually happened, right? There was an attack. Four mm. Americans died. There was an actual thing happened. We right. don't even have that here. This is just, we're going to impeach Biden because something. And that's it. That's what they're doing. They're impeaching him because something. And, and it's 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 insane. It's absolutely insane. It's an absolute one hundred percent fishing expedition. There, there. This is like this is like the worst of Whitewater and Benghazi put together. They're just right. 
they're just going to keep looking for something until they find a parking ticket Joe Biden didn't pay in 1975. And then they're going to say, you know, he's the most corrupt president ever. He has to be impeached. Yeah. So <laughs> McCarthy says that House could have launched Biden impeachment inquiry next month. This is from Axios. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says lawmakers could formally launch an effort to impeach President Joe Biden next month when they return from summer recess. McCarthy floated an impeachment inquiry in July that was met with some trepidation from members of his conference, particularly those in swing districts. But the party's more conservative members have pushed hard for a Biden impeachment based on questions about his son Hunter Biden's business dealings, which the GOP-controlled House has been investigating. Yeah. Um, Uh Good luck with that. Yeah, so Senate Republicans, Senate Republicans are not happy are not happy about this at all. Top Senate, this is again from Axios. Top Senate Republicans are far from enthusiastic about the House GOP's moves towards an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Some senators say the evidence is still too thin to merit such a drastic step, while others simply don't want to go through another trial after former President Trump's historic dual impeachments. So, if a lot of Republican senators think it's a complete waste of time. It probably right. is a waste of time. I mean, well, it depends on it depends on what the goal here is, right? If the goal is to actually impeach Biden, then yes, it's a total waste of time because uh, he didn't do anything that would uh, that would rise to the level of impeachment, right? That's assuming he did anything at all, which is right. a stretch to begin with, right? Because they've been investigating Hunter Biden for five years, I mean, literally five years, right? This whole, this, the, the original, the, the investigation that's into Hunter Biden, that is, it's still going onwards, right? They're about to um, go after him with um, new charge, not new charges, but they're going to indict him again. That started in 2018, right? right? And if something was there that involved his father, they would have found it by now because God knows they were looking for it. I mean, really, really hard. That was the entire point of it, was to find something linking Hunter Biden to his father. And if they didn't find it in five years, they're not going to find it now, right? So that's not, but that's not really what they're doing. What they're doing here is the Benghazi thing, where it's just, say, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and corruption as many times as possible, as loudly as possible to create the illusion that there's something there. And if they just say it over and over and over, they know the press is going to, is press is going to repeat it because that's what the press will do every single time. Mm. And then you have the illusion that there's something there and there doesn't have to be. It does where there's smoke, there's fire. And if the smoke, it doesn't really exist. That's okay. People don't know any better because they don't know they're being lied to because the press won't report it that way. Right. And that's the point of that. That's what they're doing here. So that's what we have to look forward to because this is going to go on for the next year. They're going to drag this out. So Right. It, it really is tiresome, this whole enterprise thing. I mean, it is. I've come to look at this mostly just as this giant sort of cottage industry, really, isn't it? It's like a business. It's a business model. Uh, that they, that both sidesons, right? It's it's uh, things perpetuated by the media in order to continue you know, to, to turn it into a sports race, right? To turn it into the horse race of politics. 
Um, and the Republicans know this. The Republicans use this strategically. They use it strategically by manufacturing scandals. They know the press is going to eat up. The press then jumps on board, turns turns it into an even race between Joe, corrupt Joe Biden and uh, and corrupt Donald Trump. Two politicians who are corrupt, but you know, one is anti woke and the other one is woke. So uh, which one are you going to vote for? Right, and they don't. And that way, that and that helps the press because then they don't have to. They don't have to present a choice. They don't have to present the choice of Donald Trump, who is quite possibly going to be a convicted felon by the election, and Joe Biden, who is not a convicted felon and has not actually broken the law in any way. They don't have to do that. They can just say, well, everyone's corrupt. And if everyone's corrupt, then no one's corrupt and we don't then have no this problem. We don't have then we don't have to deal with it. If so everyone's corrupt, we, no one's corrupt. Let well look, let's speaking about convictions. Right. This is the bit that I was looking forward to recording the most. Which is proud boys. The uh <laughs> I mean this is quite spectacular. Oh my god, it just makes me 20, so happy. He was Sentenced to 22 years plus 36 months of supervised release. Right? This, this is, is this is Enrique Enrique is Enrique Enrique Tario. Yes, Enrique Tario, uh, who's 39 years old, and this guy is going to jail for 22 years. Womp womp. Okay, so yeah, uh, the 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 amount of time these guys are going to serve. We were talking about this. Before the before the okay, so here we are the defendant Enrique Tario. The estimated right, uh, the guidelines right were like insane about the number of years you're supposed to get, but they didn't get anywhere near that. But um, he was offered nine to eleven years, and instead got twenty two years because he wouldn't take he wouldn't take a plea deal, right? And um, the other defendants, Nordian Biggs, so this is Ethan Nordian, Joseph Biggs, Zachary Rell, and Dominic Pazola, uh, were all offered six to eight years, six to eight years, six to seven years, or four to five years, and instead they took they didn't take the plea deal and got double that. At least double. Yeah, 22 years, 18 years. So Ethan Nordian was offered six to eight years, and instead he would get 18 years. Right, so that's he could have done, yeah, he could have done six, which would have been about five and a half in federal prison, and then uh, instead he's doing eighteen years, which may get with good behavior. What's that? He may get a year and a half off. Yeah, just just so for our audience, because we we were not aware of this before. There's no um, parole for federal. Like you can get yes. parole at state, you can get parole in uh, county, whatever, but you cannot get a parole for a federal, um, for a federal sentence. It does not exist. They got rid mm. of that decades ago, which I was I was not aware of that at all. So, yeah, you can get time off for good behavior. You cannot be paroled, which means he's going to serve the bulk of that twenty-two and the eighteen and that seventeen. And you know, again, Enrique Tario is thirty-nine years old. Which means he's going to be in his fifties, if not sixties, when he gets out. Which if is, the, if he does the twenty-two years, well, let's say what we figured this out, right? He'll get twenty. Was it a month for every year? It was a month or a month and a half, or something like that. 
So let, let's see. Let's see. 1.5 times 22. That is 33 months. So that's almost three years off. So he's still looking at 19 years, which would make him 58. 58. Yeah. Now, just, just as a way of comparison, right? I'm 50 years old. We had Jordan. Jordan's 15. Okay. So I was um, 35 or 30, you know, 35 when Jordan was born. The last 15 years have been the most consequential of my entire life by mm. far. Right. Anything that came before it was just like, well, this was, this was interesting. The last 15 years was the most important like years of my life so far. Mm. And he's blown all of that. My forties was by far the most consequential and that's all gone now. All yeah. of it just gone. He just wasted the prime of his life, threw yeah. it away for Donald Trump. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so just for some background on um, Ontario, this was uh, this is from the New York Times. New York Times reports, but all of the sentences handed down so far, Mr. Tario's was the most notable, not only because of its length, but also because of what it suggested about the current state of the Proud Boys. Within days of the capital attack, the far-right group became a priority of the FBI's inquiry into January 6th as investigators quickly determined that dozens of its members had played decisive roles in breaching barricades and assaulting the police. In a series of separate prosecutions, of which Mr. Terrio's sedition trial was by far the most important, the Justice Department all but decapitated the group's national leadership and mostly put an end to its involvement in large-scale and often violent pro-Trump rallies in cities across the country. But the Proud Boys as a whole survived, persisting in their role as, foot, as quote, foot soldiers for the right, in the words of one member, who testified for the government and Mr. Terrio's trial. In recent years, the group has repeatedly inserted itself at the local levels into conflicts over issues like coronavirus restrictions and the teaching of anti-racism in schools, and has taken part in attacks against LGBTQ pride events. Explaining why he had imposed 22 years, Judge Timothy J. Kelly read aloud the seditious conspiracy statute, noting that it was a, quote, serious offence. Mr. Terrier, who he added, was the ultimate leader of the, that conspiracy and had been motivated by revolutionary zeal. For Mr. Terrier, 39, the sentence ended a brief but belligerent career as a prominent force among far-right groups during a period when they moved from the fringes towards the centre of a conservative politics. Yeah, this... Uh, Oh, this guy's and, over. and by the way, it was it's been reported that um, CNN's Evan Perez said uh, one of the interesting things about these sentencing is that almost every one of these men has cried as the judge was considering their sentence. <laughs> so, you know, proud boys, very proud, but not too proud to cry. Yeah, and so I mean, one, I think one of the reasons why they that he could have got more, could have got he was recommended, I think, thirty three years. Uh, but um, the, the prosecutor, Conor Mulroe, um, urged Kelly to sentence Mr. Terry to 33 years in prison. But, I mean, still 22 years is, is a long I'm time. I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with 22 years, even 11 years. 11 years in federal prison is not, you know, that's not a cakewalk. That's like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, no, I yeah. did my time and I'm back to work. No, that's 11 years in federal prison. Yeah, yeah. So it's the basically his yeah. I, I it's a severe penalty. It's a very severe penalty, and that, I do think that sends a serious message to the rest of these clowns who might try it on again. So I think you might be right on that one, Justin. That 
that, you know, the days of violent, organised right-wing nationalism or Trump-inspired nationalism in this country are probably over, given the seriousness of the sentence that these guys... This is very, I think this is a very positive sign. Because yeah, I think that, a lot that's... of... Yeah, MAGA nutjobs will start... Will, they don't want to waste... You, you don't want to go to jail for two decades. Exactly. It's like, you know, it's one thing to be like, yeah, if we win, we take over the country. But it's like, but if we don't... I mean, it's one thing that's like, I'll die for blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but do you really want to spend 20 years in federal prison? Mm. Mm. Oh, consequences. Conse actual real consequences. That's never happened before. That's that's not something we're used to. Like real consequences. Uh -huh. so I, I I wonder whether these things. Uh, I, I wonder whether these they think that Trump is going to pardon them when when he gets in when the the savior of democracy of America um, gets reelected on a on an orange cloud or wherever it is. Like they, I think they do think that he's. He's some sort of god. Uh, like he, he had the chance to pardon them before he left office, but he didn't. Mm. And if, you know, if he doesn't, we discussed this before the show. If Trump doesn't win, then they have to wait until 2028 for another Republican to get in there, or 2029, technically. But mm. and at that point, like we, like I was saying. They're not going to be running on the insurrection at that point. That's going to be old news, and they're not going to want to relitigate that. No one's going to want to relitigate the, the 2021 uh, ins uh, 2021 insurrection in 2028. It's just not going to be a thing at that point. At least one would think so, right? Mm. You know, the, like Ron DeSantis is going to be running in 2028. He's not going to be talking about the insurrection in 2021 anymore. That's going to be old news. And so will presumably Trump at that point. If he loses again, that will be four election cycles in a row that he lost. They're going to have to move on from him if they ever hope to win another election. They can't. So, they can't. They can't and they won't. Justin, that's the problem. Right? You've got 80% of the GOP. There's nothing you can do. And they've got a, it's an entire alternate reality where they won the election. So there's this reporting right from the from the from the times article on this on the court case or the sentencing right um about them crying because they, and it's they basically they showed they tried to show the judge that they were they were sorry but like here we are some of the other this is from the new york times article some of the other pro boy sentence was were similarly contrite in their remarks to judge kelly only to reverse themselves outside the judge's presence Last yeah, week, not long, yeah, not long after telling the judge that he was a changed and humbled man, Mr. Pozzola raised his fist as he was being led from the courtroom and shouted with a smile, Trump won. Days after weeping at his own sentencing, Mr. Biggs called into a vigil being held outside the municipal jail in Washington that houses several January 6th defendants, describing his punishment as insane and declaring, we've got to stand up and fight. Don't give up. I've got news for you, buddy. There's no one <laughs> going to be fighting for you, right? You're on your own now. The, they must feel like what we call in England proper Charlies, right? You feel like a real idiot having dedicated your life to this cause. It all gone spectacularly wrong. Your guy's not in the White House, and now you're facing decades in federal prison with no chance of parole. And Trump is nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah. He's we're, not we're... coming to your rescue. He's not He's not rooting for you. He's not paying for your uh, defense. Nothing. Yeah. 
I wonder. I do wonder whether any of them will wake up one morning and realise that they essentially dedicated their lives to a buffoon, to a cult leader, to a complete loser. I mean, uh, it happened in American History X. It could happen for them. It's possible. It's, it's possible. <laughs> it, it is possible. Yeah, I think. I mean, it kind of reminds me of a lot of Germany after World War Two, right? And coming to terms with the fact that they fervently bat this complete and utter clown and he just was a very dangerous clown but he was a clown and realizing that there i mean arnold schwarzenegger talks about this quite a lot talks about his father uh, who was a nazi um and that he grew up in the kind of the wake of world war ii in austria with all these men who dedicated their lives to it. and they were just and they were just sad and depressed because they were losers they backed a loser they supported a loser and they couldn't really accept it afterwards what had happened to their to their hero, um, and, you know, and it kind of broke them. So I, I wonder whether it will have a kind of a similar effect on a lot of these guys, you know. God, I, mean, I hope so. I would love nothing more than Magaland to spend the next twenty years miserable and depressed. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, I think it's going to happen. But uh, well, look, let's uh, Justin. It's your chance to be very smug, right? You you asked me about this before the podcast. Um, Oh, yes. About your chance to be smug. Unadulterated yes. smugness. Go ahead, please. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sure. I, I, so this is from Politico. Uh, the headline is, Biden books are still uh, are still bombing. The current president still isn't quite the publishing house's dream that his predecessor was. Now, why am I smug about Biden books not selling? The reason I'm smug about this is because it confirms something I have been saying for the better part of three and a half years now, the press, the press has been gunning for Biden for years. And the reason I have been saying repeatedly is because Joe Biden is boring. He's boring as hell because he doesn't give them drama. He doesn't give them scandals. He doesn't give them stupidity and crazy shit all the time. He doesn't use Sharpies to try to change the trajectory of hurricanes. He does his job. He does it well. He doesn't do crazy stuff. He doesn't fire a bunch of people. He doesn't go in screaming tirades in the White House. So they don't have books. to. They can't sell books. They don't get awards. They're not getting, uh, you know, movie deals and blah, blah, blah. Nothing's happening for them. It's not easy work anymore. They actually have to do real reporting. It's no more easy clicks. And they hate him for that. And I've been saying this for years. And now I have the actual confirmation of this. It's driving them crazy. They write their books. Nobody wants to uh, buy them because who wants to buy a book about Joe Biden doing president stuff if none of it's exciting or crazy or weird. It's just normal stuff. So it, it, they, they don't like him. So they keep trying to manufacture controversy, which is exactly what I've been saying they've been doing for years. And now we have it right in front of us. And this is happening on the right wing as well because their books are, their Biden books are bombing for the same reason. He's boring and they've been selling him as this boring old man who's tired and sleepy and he's dementia and he can't do anything. He just sits there all day, blah, blah, blah. Right. They've been selling that story. So how do you sell a book about Joe Biden being this evil, malicious mastermind criminal genius? If all you've ever been telling everybody is that he's this boring 
old, worn-out guy. You can't. Even the right-wing won't buy the books. So even the right-wing books, like they write tons and tons of hit books, they're not selling either, which is why, I mean, the right hates him already, but man, he's driving everyone crazy because he won't give them anything they want. And I'm enjoying it because screw these people, right? All they do is work at 24-7 to drag Joe Biden down because they want the clicks, they want the views, they want the drama, they want the horse race, and he won't give it they won't he won't give them anything. So I'm invalidated and I'm enjoying it immensely because they're suffering and I hate their guts. Okay, I'm done. I'm done ranting now. <laughs> Yeah, everyone listening, you notice that we do uh, we like to bash the media a lot on uh, on this podcast because for good reason, and it's they one of the reasons definitely we, earned it. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why we do what we do. Right, we try to do our small part to counter the insanity of the media system in America, and it really is insane. It, it, it's a crazy system that doesn't really exist in other industrialized democracies anywhere else. Right, because a lot of other countries have this idea of, you know, the press being an institution. Like, I mean, obviously, my point and they banned Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the UK hasn't, but we do have the BBC. The BBC counters a lot of Murdoch's nonsense. Right, the political climate in the UK doesn't allow the media climate in the UK rather doesn't allow for Murdoch to spread. Like, you know, the the he's still a powerful influence in british politics right but it's not insane so we've got like sky news and the he owns the sun and the times um and they are they're not insane so there are things that are kind of like climate change for example all the right-wing press accept that climate change is real that you have to do something about it there's nothing conspiracy theories don't exist there like a lot of the anti-back stuff doesn't exist um in the right-wing press in the UK. Wow, like, think of them. Yeah, so so Myrtle's influence has been radically reduced in the UK by institutions like the BBC, by institutions like Channel 4 News, which is a quasi-public-private uh, media institution. These are publicly funded, you know, money from the public, and it goes towards, you know, um, having a responsible press, right? I mean, it's not... I'm not saying the BBC is perfect. The BBC has its problems. But it, it's serious, you know. It's serious, and it's very, very well funded. And the and the US, there's nothing. There's nothing like that. As big as the New York Times is, for example, the New York Times is nowhere near as powerful as the BBC, right? It doesn't. It has a niche. You know, the audience is basically liberals, right? And the American press system is now it, it caters towards demographics instead, right? You just build a business model around whatever, like you know. You want angry white people, this is what you're going to give them. If you want, you know, liberal East Coast liberals, this is what you're going to give them. There's no set, you just cater to your audience rather than doing an actual job, you know, an actual, um, you know, serious news. I think CNN might, interestingly, they just hired Mark Thompson, who used to run, um, did he run the New York Times and the BBC, uh, I believe? So he's heading over to CNN. Sorry, the New York, yeah, he, he ran the New York Times. Um, and he's heading over to uh, to to CNN. So you might start seeing he's a British guy. You might start seeing CNN being a serious news institution again. But it's not at the moment, right? It's no, more serious. Than today, today being um, Thursday, the C CNN 
had a poll that was heavily weighted towards Republicans, and they've been running article after article after article about how terrible it was for Biden over. I mean, there's like God knows how many headlines they've had about this one poll so far. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. we got it, guys. And if the poll had showed that Biden was running away with the race, I guarantee you would have been one small article just buried in like in the corner of their website because they wouldn't want to talk about it because Biden. Yeah, Mark Thompson's not going to. Mark Thompson is different. I mean, it's, you don't run the BBC and the New York Times, um, and and do that pull that kind of nonsense. Well, I, I think that, we're going to find out. Yeah, we'll find out. So that I mean, that, I've always thought that CNN could be placed to play something of a of a of a BBC like role in, in America if it was sensible and didn't kind of invest so heavily in it. It's all that stuff about. Remember all the graphics that came out, and I think it was like the. When did the gra- when did the crazy graphics infographics take over? When everybody was a, there was a huge competition between all the media networks to see who could have the fanciest graphics. Oh, that was years ago. Gotta but like that was, I, f- I feel like that was that kind of said it all about the the media in America. That it was nothing to do with substance. It was who could spend the most amount of money on insane graphics. Gotta have, um, gotta, gotta, gotta keep those eyeballs peeled to the TV. Yeah, and data crunches, right? Mm-hmm. It was obsessed with, you know, there, there was a whole thing, data crunching and 538 and Chuck Todd analyzing voting patterns and whatnot, and which, which is fine and interesting, but it's not news. It's not what a journalist should be doing, right? You're not talking about a horse race. You're not talking about sports betting. Who's up? Who's down this week, right? It's much more serious than that. And there was and no... Then, sense- and, then Nate, and then Nate Silver's brain melted, so... <laughs> I don't follow the guy anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm no longer... Uh... Next oh my god, way. it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Oh, really? Okay, well, mark that on the list for reason number 7056 why I don't spend any time on Twitter following all the, any of these people anymore. <laughs> uh, speaking of speaking of Twitter or X, sorry, X, right? Uh, no, nope, we'll nope. Twitter, nope, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, I refuse. Yeah. I'm not calling it X. Yeah, yeah. all <laughs> right, refuse. we're gonna move it. <laughs> We're still going to talk about this later. Let's talk about it now. Elon Musk blames Jews for Twitter's collapse. Holy Jesus! I can't believe he actually went there. <laughs> actually, no, that's he, not true. I can. He, of course he did. Of course he did. Of course he did. Apparently, it's the Anti-Defamation League that's responsible for Twitter's decline in advertising revenue. Not and the anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah, responsible and, for anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently it's not the sixty-one percent increase in anti-Semitic hate speech on Twitter in the two weeks following Elon Musk's purchase of the platform. Nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with the fact nope. that he uh, he let ex-Nazis or, or active Nazis give their accounts back. Um, nothing to do with the fact that Elon Musk has spread loads of conspiracy theories, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. He's a massive George Soros uh, hater. George Soros, um, anybody, this is a buzzword for, for Jew. Right, it's a favorite. White, he's the hate figure for lots of Republicans. Uh, you just have to say George Soros, and uh, everybody knows what that means. It's, it's yeah, the, uh, they they start yeah. foaming at the mouth. It's the dog whistle that uh, is the uh, <laughs> the right dog whistle for uh, evil Jew. But yeah, so he blamed the, he's suing the ADL, which is going to go. And he is I he think, actually yeah. suing, or did he say that he's suing? Yeah, yeah, I think he's got well, he said he's gonna do it, so who knows what that means. I mean, personally, I want him to do that because God help him, because discovery 
the ADL oh, yeah. will get access to all sorts of stuff that he does not want anyone to see. He can't say no, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how the court case works. You can't just say, well, no, I get to see their stuff. They can't see mine. Uh, you don't get to sue. Please let him actually do it. That would be right. amazing. Right. And my my sense is that he's probably doing this for PR. He's probably whipping up hysteria, looking for somebody to blame because he can't take responsibility for the fact that Twitter's ad revenue is in the toilet and he's running a business that won't make any money. Yeah, he, he, I mean, here we are. To clear our platform, he wrote, to clear our platform's name on the matter of anti-Semitism, it looks like we have no choice but to file a defamation lawsuit against the Anti-Defamation League. Oh, the irony. Based on what we've heard from advertisers, the ADL seems to be responsible for most of our revenue loss. Giving them maximum benefit of the doubt, I don't see any scenario where they're responsible for less than 10% of the value destruction. So $4 billion. Document discovery of all our communication between the ADL and the advertisers will tell the full story. And by that, he mean, what he really means is <laughs> document discovery and all the communications means he's going to shine a light on how vile and disgusting Twitter has become under Elon Musk and why anti-Semitism is a, is a very, very serious problem. And, and you know, I, this is something else I've written about for literally years. Jews are always the supervillain. But we're behind everything. We are the supervillain of all of their little stories and myths and, and fairy tales that they tell themselves. Everything that goes wrong with them, somehow we're always behind it. On some level, it's our fault. Yeah, always. always, always. always. I, wrote, I wrote a piece, a short piece this week. It was, um, I usually write longer pieces, but this is about what I could manage in my anemic state but uh yeah I, I wrote a piece about this this is just history repeating itself over and over and over and over again when you're in when in doubt blame the jews it's the easiest target to go for yep it's right? been that way for centuries they just right. can't stop themselves yeah and elon musk is clear he's not anti-semitic and apparently now according to jordan peterson anybody he claims uh this is anti-semitic is is engaging in in, in evil um innuendo yeah. Like meanwhile, just, he dressed like a fucking Batman villain the other day. So you know, let, let's let's not take anything he says seriously. So yeah, I, I talk about his poetry on on Twitter, but I can't I can't stomach it. Like, yeah, have you been Jordan Peterson's tweets? I know not to go on a tangent here, but Jordan Peterson's tweets are, oh my god, is how to become even more un, insufferable. I don't Jordan Peterson like he manages to be to be the most insufferable arsehole ever. And with each passing week, he manages to outdo himself. Have you ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yes, I have, of course, yeah. It, it's Vogon poetry. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think you're being, I think you're being generous. I, I mean, he's about generous. that unpleasant as a person, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So anyway, oh, look, we got okay. a bit anyway. ahead of ourselves, a bit of ahead of ourselves with, um, with going on after old Elon again, but I feel like, you know, this has got to be called out, this this stuff. Like, the innuendo is despicable. It really is. Right? It's not innuendo. He didn't, there was no innuendo at all. He was just straight up, like, anti-Semitism. Yeah, that, that was no dog whistle whatsoever. Yeah. Um, well, look, let's quickly, sorry, we jumped ahead of ourselves. Uh, we've got more news to talk about. Trump's IT guys flipped in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. <laughs> not good not good for donald trump at all at all i uh, i think i mean this is this was inevitable 
Oh, this, once this, he got rid of his Trump lawyer, it absolutely yeah. was. So this is uh, uh, Yusuf Tavares has flipped in the Mar-a-Lago case, and this is the IT guy, so he's going to know quite a lot. This is from uh, CNN. Uh, Mar-a-Lago IT worker Yusuf Tavares has struck a cooperation agreement with the special counsel's office in the federal case over former President Donald Trump's handling of classified documents. Tavares' former defense attorney said in a new court filing, Tavares struck the deal with the prosecutors after he was threatened with prosecution. Um, defense attorney Stanley Woodward wrote in the filing dated Tuesday. Tavares is referred to in the filing and in the superseding indictment as Trump employee number four, and CNN has identified him as that employee. Uh, according to the terms of the deal explained in the filing, Tavares agreed to testify in the classified documents case and in exchange will not be prosecuted. He has not been charged with any crimes. Uh, first of all, just quick note, CNN needs to change their writing. <laughs> writing is terrible. Um, Maybe it was done by AI. Yes. Probably, right. Uh, but yeah, that's that's bad. This is the first public acknowledgement that special counsel Jack Smith has won cooperation of key witnesses as part of his prosecution of Trump. Bad, 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 bad. I don't know, you know, just this, I get, obviously it bolsters Smith's case for sure. The but dominoes are toppling. It, it really is. I mean, I know we always say this, God, I get, this is, it's very frustrating, right? When you, mountains and mountains of evidence, key witnesses saying, yeah, he did it. But here's the evidence, and, and there's still a ton of a 50 50 as to whether he's going to go to jail or not, or whether he's going to get prosecuted, right? It is immensely frustrating with Trump. But either way, this is this this is quite a significant development in the one of four cases that Trump is facing next year. Well, it's going to be fun watching um, uh, his defenders, especially on the alt left, say that this guy's only flipping on to save himself and Trump didn't actually do anything wrong. It's like, well, how could he flip on him if if nothing, if there was no crime? It's like, if there was a crime committed, then Trump had to be involved because these guys wouldn't have done anything if nothing was illegal. Like, you, you can't, you can't not, you speaking can't logic, just, speaking rationally there, Justin, I'm not sure whether that... Yeah, he sure can't have not committed a crime if no crime was if they, if they didn't if there was no crime to commit, then he can't flip, right? He didn't do anything illegal, then he can't be a criminal. Then there's nothing to flip on. So it's like I know they're just coming back. Well, this guy's a criminal. You can't trust him, and Trump didn't do anything anyway. And I'm like, you can't do that. This guy can't be a criminal if there was no crime committed but Trump didn't commit the crime and wasn't involved in the crime like it, it wouldn't make any sense like yes all these people around Trump all participated in a crime that benefited Trump but Trump wasn't involved I know they're going to try to do this I guarantee that all these people committed these crimes to benefit Trump but Trump had nothing to do with it they just did it because they love Trump or something I, I know it. I know they're going to go there, and it's going to be amazing to watch Glenn Greenwald make that argument because he absolutely will. I guarantee it. Hmm. There's no bigger Trump defender on the left, alt left, because he's not left at all, than Glenn Greenwald, and it's going to be amazing to watch. Do you follow? Do you follow Greenwald still on Twitter? Not directly. I follow people who follow him, so I don't have to. Ah, okay. I can't ever see what Greenwald's up to these days again because he's because he's blocked me. Yeah, no, he hasn't blocked me yet. 
So, but if I wanted to, I, I mean, I, I, I have his, I, I, I still follow him. I just don't follow him, follow him. He doesn't pop up on my timeline. So yeah. I don't see him that often, but I do, I do follow accounts that keep track of his bullshit. So I do see the stuff that he says. And it's like, it's always eye rolling. Always so absolutely eye rolling. We've been going off the green world for years, for, for years and years and years, but it sort of got a bit less, serious right when Greenwald kind of went completely off the rails because he used to be sort of slightly off the rails or just used to be wrong he just used to be kind of a sloppy journalist but now he's cut he's now he's insane well now he's just directly pandering to white supremacists and white nationalists he's not yeah. even trying to yeah, like be a progressive of any kind yeah, yeah, I did feel kind of sorry for him over, you know, the death of his his husband. I, I felt I felt bad for the guy, but um, and I was going to leave. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to attack him for a while after that, but I can't be bothered to attack him now anyway because I don't I think he's kind of irrelevant. He's regarded. It's interesting. A lot of these guys, Greenwell, Tybee, they're not really well regarded anymore. Uh, they're not. Well, they're very part. well regarded on the right, which you know pretty much tells you everything you need. Yeah, ex- exactly. But I'm saying in serious circles, like nobody is paying attention to what Matt Tidy or Glenn Greenwald is saying. In oh, serious. yeah. No, yeah. Serious journalists, they're not considered serious journalists. They haven't been yeah. for quite some time. Quite quite some time. I think, yeah, we'll go. I'd like to do more on that. We'll, we'll Maybe we'll talk about that more next week. But like, what's happened to these guys? What are they doing? What are their business? Oh, where are they now? <laughs> where are they now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once prominent journalists now descended into right-wing conspiracies and what do their lives look like? Um, well, look, let's move on uh, to our fascist of the week. Good uh, God. Fascist, yeah. Fascist of the week was... <laughs> this week. <laughs> hilarious. 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 Tim Paul, right? Tim Paul. What is uh, wrong with this guy? You're going to be able to see... your you you'll. I'll put this up on the uh, as the headline article for the post. Uh, Tim Paul has been he he's got some podcaster, right? He's some weird MAGA podcaster, right? Yeah, he used to be he's he's a reformed liberal, I think is what he refers to himself as. Okay. Okay. Or something something weird like that. Yeah, okay. He's one of these YouTube people or podcast weird weirdos, but he the tw- the tweet that he has out, he says, Democrats think prison will stop Trump, but after he wins and pardons himself, you have this to deal with. And the image is of Trump, uh, CGI Trump, his head transplanted onto a buff prison body filled with tattoos. It's, 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 so, it's so weird that... Well, I mean, there was two pictures. There was one where he was just like, like you know, muscled up, and then there was another one where he's all tatted up, like prison tats and yeah. stuff. <laughs> and it's it's super super homoerotic. It's very weird. It's very weird. I th- I reposted this on on Substack notes on the so their social media platform. I was like, tell me tell me you have daddy issues without telling me you have daddy issues. <laughs> this is like the level of weirdness with these MAGA freaks that they. They believe that Trump is this hero, right? Is this sort of godlike figure who's been sent from the God knows where to to stand in the way between you and the demonic liberals, the demonic wokesters. Um, and they're putting homoerotic fanboy imagery up of him on Twitter. It's just sad, like very sad. 
Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing with fascism, right? Fascism, one of the core elements of fascism is is this obsession with masculinity, right? Yeah. And that's why, I mean, a lot of that ends up, like, when you worship masculinity to that degree, it's really hard for you not to dip over into homoeroticism. You can't, you can't idolize uh, male potency that much without being super, you know, starting to drift into kind of gay about it. And that, I mean, part of it is like, like just repress homosexuality, which is why they hate homosexuality so much, blah, blah, blah. But you end up getting so much of that in these movements because like they just worship male this, that, and the other. And like women are weak and women are, we hate women. They don't, they don't put feminism on a pedestal, not feminism, femininity on a pedestal. It's masculinity and you just can't obsess over it that much without starting to be attracted to it and it gets really weird for them because they hate homosexuality and it's like okay but then why are you so obsessed with hard bodies and you know shiny muscles and you know big throbbing blah 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 and it's just like they can't it's this weird duality thing they got going on with them and it's just a very odd tension on the right and it, it really is it really is a strange phenomenon right and it's it's kind of like, like guys look like what my okay so some of my the f- former friends who were pro-trump um were gay and they were just out about it like i kind of respect that it's like okay he's daddy like it was like milo ianopoulos who called trump daddy i feel like he's at least being honest right right he's kind of like saying the quiet bit out loud right he's saying what they're all doing but he's saying it out loud and at least he's you know he's ballsy enough to admit that he's gay i mean it's it's i mean you know what i mean like just be yourself like repressed homosexuality it, it really is a terrible thing because it le- you could these people could have had happy normal balanced lives not believing in a fucking weird cult leader as long as if they just accepted the fact that they were gay <laughs> Or, you know, even if not, it's like, you know what, you know, you could be, you could be attractive to men, but you could still be straight or mostly straight and still find some men attractive. And if that's what you, if that's your thing, that's okay. But they can't even do that. It has to be, no, I am only love women, except, except Donald Trump's rippling biceps. It's like, he ain't got no right. rippling biceps. He's got wrinkly biceps, but uh, <laughs> whatever, right. man. They're just right. so weird about it. It's 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 you know it's not that homosexuality is not creepy, but they make it creepy. They make yeah. it so weird and creepy. And it's like it will stop, stop right. it. Right, right, right. So <laughs> well, look, um, let's let's move on to our ray of sunshine. Ah, yes. So we were going to talk about this last week. We didn't get a chance, but um. So all right. So a few months ago, um, the Wisconsin. Supreme Court, uh, there was a big old election in Wisconsin. Uh, the both sides spent millions of dollars to uh, uh, for an open uh, Supreme Court seat, and um, Republicans lost, and we did it. So uh, we elected a liberal Supreme Court justice, and uh, that tipped the court over to the left for the first time in well over a decade, might be like 15 years at this point. 
And this is catastrophic for Republicans. And it's really great for us. Um, the It's now a 4-3 um, Supreme Court in Wisconsin. Uh, Janet, you know what? I'm not going to try to pronounce her name because I'm going to mangle it. So I'm just going <laughs> to skip over that. Um, she was sworn in and she took her seat. And now she starts to get ruling on all sorts of fun things like voter suppression laws and gerrymandering. Wisconsin is one of the most gerrymandered states in the country, right? The Republicans have a majority in the state legislature, even though it's a 50-50 state, they overwhelmingly control the legislature because they have rigged it unbelievably. And with a Supreme Court, that's going to look at that and go, yeah, that's all finished. That's that that's all done. And Republicans are freaking out about that. They're already trying. They're already trying to uh, impeach her. They want to impeach her. She hasn't actually done anything yet. She hasn't ruled on anything at all. And they're trying to impeach her because they're that panicked about losing control of the Supreme Court. It is going to be phenomenal watching what happens in Wisconsin over the next couple of years because they're going to undo so much of the damage. The really important thing to watch here, Wisconsin is going to be a microcosm of the entire United States. What will happen when we take back the Supreme Court from Republicans is what's going to happen in Wisconsin over the next couple of years and how badly Republicans are going to freak out and try to stop it. So we should really pay attention to this, and it's going to be fantastic because Wisconsin is really, really important. It's a swing state. Trump has to win, not can win or cannot win and move on to other stuff. He has to win it. Joe Biden doesn't have to win it, but Trump absolutely has to win it. And with a a liberal Supreme Court, they cannot steal it. That, That is done. They don't have any chance of stealing it. They actually have to win legitimately. Justin, I'm just just going to interject quickly. Janet Protasiewicz. Protasiewicz, that's how you pronounce it, apparently. Right? Okay. I've I've taken the liberty, everybody, of looking this up while while chosen where you were speaking, uh, because I've struggled with this, but this is how you pronounce it. Janet Protasiewicz. Protasiewicz. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I can see. I can see that. Looking at it, that that collection yeah. of letters in that particular order, I can see how yeah. you can pronounce that. It's, I believe it's a Polish. It's a Polish name. So, um, yes, excellent. Anyway, well, well done, Janet Prozewicz. This is good news. Excellent news. Oh, it's going to uh, be awesome. <laughs> we're going to be moving now into the emergency meeting, uh, where we're going to be discussing one of the most disgusting articles I've ever seen on um, current affairs. And current affairs, which is Nathan J. Robertson's kind of far left Bernie Pro uh, magazine thing, where he go he writes seven thousand word pieces on. God, I mean, it really is like. Have you ever tried to get through one of Nathan J. Robertson's articles? No, I no. do not read anything he writes. Yeah, it's pretty bad, right? Uh, it's written by his writer uh, Nair Yasmin. And Who apparently Yasmin, is just straight up tra- uh, trash. I was not aware of this person until this, and I started looking. It's like, who is this person? She is just trash. It, it's really bad, and it's about Pete and Chastin Buttigieg. And basically, I, I mean, 
the words define me. I really don't know how to describe this piece on how not it gay was enough they it are. It was fucking awful. I really, I mean, yeah. I, I felt dirty when I was done reading it. I was like, ew. Ew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going to be discussing this in the emergency meeting podcast. It's full of wonders. I mean, it really is. It's like a sort of a, <laughs> a kind of a masterclass in, 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 would you call it anti, I don't know what it is. What is it? You know what? It is homophobic. It is just downright mean. It's just homophobic and just mean. It is a mean article written by someone who's just a nasty, nasty individual. Yeah, but it said something. It betrayed something about what's going on on the hard left, right? It it it, it really it says something about the hard left about how weird it is and how kind of vile these some of the characters there are. Uh, but look, we're going to be talking. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really bad. But look, we're going to be talking about that. Um, the title of the article is "What Chaston Buttigieg Has to Tell Us," and good lord, is it disgusting? So we're going to be heading into the emergency meeting to talk about that. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, thank you, everybody, for your well wishes for me. It's really, really appreciated. Again, um, you can join us in the emergency meeting podcast by purchasing a Bantam membership. You can get fifty percent off. Membership is really, really important. It helps us stay alive. We're 100% independent here at the Banter. We do not have any billionaire owners. We do not have uh, corporate sponsors. We do not take advertising money. We are funded, um, paid for, funded entirely by you. So your support is very helpful. Uh, you can also get access to all of our members only articles, the emergency meeting podcast, member chat threads, and there'll be much more uh, coming soon. So anyway, please join us in the emergency meeting and we'll see you next week. Adios.